Welcome to the Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams. The heart behind Kindled is to help moms use their gifts for God's glory and their good. We'll chat with real women who are learning how to do this very thing as they navigate motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. This heart-to-heart is always had over a cup of coffee and usually paired with a business pep talk. We hope you'll find practical advice and the encouragement you need to work well and live more. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Kindled. In this episode, I'm chatting with my friend Jenny Slayton. I met Jenny in my Wednesday morning BSF discussion group. As I learned more about her story and saw her outlook and joy with which she approached her life, I knew there was something different about her. Jenny has lived through a tragic three years that have left her a solo mama of three kids. I wanted to share Jenny's story with you today because of the hope she has within her. I believe the hope that she exhibits and displays is a loud testament and evidence that the Holy Spirit is active and alive in her. I hope for those of you who are solo moms, you find encouragement and are seen in your specific struggles. And for those of you who aren't solo, I know you'll be equally as encouraged as I was. Just a heads up, you may want to grab the Kleenex for this one if you're a crier like I am. (laughs) Listening to this again, I felt silly for crying so many times during the interview, but really, I make no excuse. I wear my heart on my sleeve in pretty much every sense, and this conversation is no exception. There's just one more thing I want to mention before we start. If you are a female entrepreneur in the early stages of launching your business, I bet you have wondered more than once what you should do first. You probably feel overwhelmed by all of the things you know you should be doing, but you just don't really know the right order to do them in. This course that I am creating and launching in the fall is going to be a big help to you. It's basically a roadmap and a step-by-step how to get you up and running and making money in your business as fast as possible. I decided to develop this course because I felt there was a big hole in the market speaking specifically to moms who really only have a couple hours a day, if that, to be productive in business activities and um, and income generating activities around their business. So when you're starting out, it often takes way more time to get everything set up than it does once you're actually up and running. And so to that end, I think we need to make things as simple as possible. This course is everything that I learned and wish I had known seven years ago when I started building my very first business, and I'm really excited to share it with you. It doesn't require you to have thousands of followers on Instagram before you get started or before you start making money. It just requires you to take the right steps in the right order. If you want to learn more, go check out HaleyWilliams.co and all the information is there. Okay, now on to my interview with Jenny. So... Why don't you kind of tell us who you are and what you do and um, a little bit about your your story. You can kind of start. Okay. Um, well, I am about to turn 40 in one week. Um, I like to say 39 years plus one because uh, I'm not sure I like 40. <laughs> but um, I have three awesome kids. I have a daughter who's 13 and a son, Carter, who is um, 10. And then I have an almost six-year-old. And... Um, God has just blessed me to be their mama. I just couldn't be any happier with them. Um, I also am a widow. Um, My husband, Chris, and I were married in 2003. 
um, and started a great life together and kind of were just plowing through um, being married and having children that were small. And he got diagnosed with um, terminal thyroid cancer in 2014. Um, and he was given, oh, 11 to 18 months and he died in 11 months. Mm -hmm. So just, um, kind of walking through that year with him and, um, still raising our babies. Cause at that time they were babies. Mm -hmm. Uh, he passed away in 2015. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I just have been living my life really for God and for my kids. I just really, um, made a promise to God and I made a promise to ki the kids and to Chris that, um, cancer wasn't gonna, wasn't going to break our family. Like mm -hmm. I was going to get us to the other side of this with God's help. And I just fiercely, um, I just fiercely hold on to that commitment and the promise that I made to, you know, God and then my family that with his help, I would get us through the other side. So now I am a solo mama and I say solo because um, I heard another widow say it, and I just think it describes who I am the best um, because I don't have um, a husband that I fell out of love with. I don't have mm -hmm. um, another parent to back me up. I have them 100% of the time. I don't get a break. Um, I still have to do all the chores that I did and all the chores that he did mm -hmm. and raise three humans, so it's tough, and um, I don't, I don't get to send them away for a weekend or a week in the summertime. And, um, I'm thankful that that's not my walk, but, um, I feel like solo is where I identify the, the most. So, yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. Yes. And that is, um, that's really hard and I'm so sorry about that, that that thank happened. You. And I, it's almost like. The, I don't really know what is even like what are, I don't know the words how to say right. like just how just how sad that makes me and it's just it breaks my heart yes um, and it's probably not helpful for other people no, to cry so you know you know one of the first conversations that you and I had in BS, BSF and I told you a little bit about my story and you cried then and um I think it's I, I found from the very beginning when I would tell people my story, I feel worse for the person I'm telling yeah. it to because it doesn't, um, it doesn't make me cry anymore. Yeah. You know, I you find said you cried all your tears. I did, and I just feel like, um, yeah, I feel worse for the people who are asking. I honestly <laughs> do, and so um, I just encourage people when they do reach out to somebody who's had a loss, whether it be a husband or a child or. Um, parents, uh, it's okay to cry in front of them because it shows, I think the humanity that you've got a husband or you've got a mom and you know what that loss would feel like. I have a child. I couldn't imagine how it would feel to lose a child, but I can put myself pretty easily there and, and be pretty sad and yeah. upset about it. So I think that yeah. just is, you know, <sighs> being a human. Yeah. It's hard. Being a human is hard. It is. I've always been a crier. No, I think that's good. <laughs> are you a crier? Or, like, I, I am a very private crier. Okay, okay. So yeah. you're not And just... once I start, it's so hard for me to stop. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So that's good. That's that's good. <laughs> I mean, that's good. You're going to be able, you're, you're like perfectly suited. I would, uh, I just am, yeah. I don't, ever since becoming a mom, I feel oh, like. for sure. 
anything can make me cry. Just like, like, like going shopping in the kids section at Old Navy. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. instead of the toddlers. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I have to buy you a f- size four or five oh, now. I, you know what oh, I mean? And like, it's that brutal sort of to like have to take their clothes <laughs> out that don't fit them anymore and put them in a bin, you know, and especially yeah. with my last one, I'm like, <gasps> I remember yeah. um, one of the big moments that just there's these little moments in time, but taking down Cole's crib. One, it was the same crib that Chris and I put up for our very first baby. And we took down with our first baby and we Mm -hmm. took up, put up and put down with our second. And now I was, you know, putting it away by myself for the last Mm -hmm. time. And that was, that was a tough one for me. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like as moms, we just, it's so fast. It just goes by so fast. I remember coming home from the hospital with our last one and Chris was driving, and, and I said, in the matter of seven years, this part of our life, this making babies and having babies is done. Yeah. So I, it just goes by too fast. Yeah, it does. It, mm. it feels like it speeds up, too, with each Absolutely. child. <laughs> um, so if we can talk for a few minutes about, like, what that when you found out that your husband yes. had terminal thyroid cancer, yep. um, was that like a genetic, was it, did that run in the family or was there any indication? We of- still don't know because, um, the type of thyroid cancer he had is so rare. It's less than 1%. So they mm-hmm. really don't even know that much about it. Um, because sometimes you say thyroid cancer and people automatically go, Oh, well that's, that's easy, you know? And, and then you kind of have to backtrack and you're like, no, you know, I went through all that. No, it's, um, it's it's not known right now if it's genetic or not. It's something that we have to just con- constantly keep mm-hmm. in the forefront of our mind, um, watching the kids. But um, no, I mean, he was a healthy 41-year-old guy, um, and we all got the flu in January, and he just didn't get better. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, as a wife of three kids, I think it's pretty easy for people to understand when, you know, he just kept not getting better and you're just like, okay, man cold, whatever, you know, just Mm -hmm. get over it. Or at that time he was working Monday through Friday and I worked two 12 hour shifts every Saturday and Sunday. So Mm -hmm. we were, you know, basically, um, just passing ships, trying to raise our kids because they were little and we didn't want them in daycare. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, he would just talk about how tired he was and how he just couldn't get, get well. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, we got three small kids, you know, we work hard, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then by um, March and April, he still wasn't getting better. And uh, he knew, he knew something was wrong. He kept saying, you know, this is not pneumonia, it's not bronchitis and wasn't getting better. And so um, I remember sometime in March or April, um, our primary care said, well, it's time to call a pulmonologist and let's see you know, what they have to say. And I called the one that he gave me the number for and they couldn't get him until July. And I was like, Oh, please, you know, we'll be, we'll be over this by July. I'm not even going to make an appointment. Um, and then by April I was like, this is really different. This is not right. And so I pretty much Googled pulmonologists in Kansas city and, um, called every single one because even though it was thyroid cancer, the, the symptom that was prominent for him was that it had already spread to his lungs so he couldn't breathe and Mm -hmm. he was really short of breath and um coughing a lot um so in april we went to the um pulmonologist and they were just like oh yeah something's going on in his lungs for sure 
let's, we need to do some biopsies. And Mm -hmm. the first diagnosis they kind of prepared us for was, um, a disease of the lung that, um, he would probably live another 20 years. And I just remember bawling and, um, just grieving the fact that I didn't want to be a widow at 60, you know, and it's just amazing looking back at those moments in time, because I know that God's just right there, just kind of, I don't know, I can look back and be almost smile the fact that I was so devastated over being a wife at 60 and I ended up being a wife or a a widow, sorry, um, at at 36. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's just, I think those are humbling moments in your life. Mm -hmm. You think you've got a plan that's going to come to be and God knows what the plan really is. So, Mm -hmm. um, did you feel like that in any way prepared you for the next diagnosis you would get, or was it just not even, you couldn't relate that it, it didn't feel like a preparation. Oh, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question. Um, yeah, I, I guess now I, I guess it, it was, um, it was kind of preparation because I was already, you know, that was looking to be what the diagnosis was going to be. And so I was kind of looking there, um, but two, I do feel like I was even more robbed, you know, where I was just like, oh, now I wish it was that yeah. diagnosis. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it just all happened so fast. That appointment was probably April 18th of 2014. And we, he had one biopsy that was inconclusive um, and actually put him in the hospital over Easter. And I thought, oh, this is terrible having a holiday without him here. And um, that didn't show anything. So he had to have a more, um, specific biopsy done later in April. And even that came back inconclusive. The only thing was, um, that they knew it was cancer. They just had no idea what they were looking at. So within a period of two weeks, I kind of went from, okay, is this just a lung infection that's not healing to a disease that could take him in 20 years to, oh, it's Mm -hmm. cancer. And then by the first week of May, he was a terminal, terminal diagnosis. Um, and actually the very first time we heard that it was terminal, he was struggling to breathe so much that they, um, urgently sent him to the hospital and the doctor was very frank and said, he's going to have a trach by the end of the night and he'll be dead in a week. Um, so I basically knew right then I was in for it and, um, was ready to go to battle with God. Not, not necessarily battle, um, that I thought we could save him but definitely battle that I was going to have to, you know, really fight off the enemy and not let this overcome us. Really? That was your response? Yeah. I just was not going to lose myself or my kids or my husband to this ugly disease. I just wasn't. That's crazy. That's crazy to me that that was your, I don't know, like that's just supernatural. Right there because like when you're talking, I'm thinking and picturing myself if I were to hear those words like, I think, you know, and obviously I I do believe that God only gives, he gives you the grace for what you have to deal with. And so I don't have the grace for that because that wasn't my situation, but it is, it, to me, that just is indicative of that the Holy Spirit somehow was empowering you and filling you and indwelling you with the ability to like even have that perspective because I just, I mean, most people when given that sort of a diagnosis with three little kids would go like, 
my life is over. Oh my gosh. Like, how can I do For this? Sure. I can't do this. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I definitely, I, I call it, I mean, I, and this might, this is kind of where I think I got to that point because from the time that we found out it was cancer to that, you know, mm-hmm. diagnosis at the hospital where, you know, you might be gone in a week. I remember the very first day we got the diagnosis, um, I was talking on the phone to the doctor and, and he said, you know, it's cancer, but we just don't know what we're dealing with. And I was in the kitchen and Chris was in the living room and my kids were all at, no, I guess my older two were at, at school and my youngest was napping and I had to go in and tell him. And I mean, I can just still see his face, like having to tell your husband, like it's cancer. Like, and I, I just went into this kind of, um, mama bear mode. Cause we were both so shocked. I, I took Cole, who'd never even been to a babysitter. I took him to my girlfriend's house, and I asked her to pick up my kids. And that's the time, um, the only time I feel like I've completely lost it. And I cried so hard for three days um, that it scared me. It scared me because I I just remember thinking, I'm never going to be around my kids again. I'm never going to be able to be around my kids because I am scaring myself. And I think that... Um, harsh grief scared me so much that it still to this day, four years later, um, scares me that I don't, I don't want to ever get back to that spot. And I, I've had to learn how to grieve healthy because I think I ran from it a lot, Mm -hmm. but those three days, um, was the hardest I've ever cried and the hardest I've ever hit rock bottom and, um, just fighting for my kids and that I wasn't going to lose I wasn't going to lose my family, you know, that we weren't going to be lost to this sadness. And, um, yeah. And it just wasn't going to lose them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's just amazing to me because yeah, I don't, that isn't, um, like that isn't a man-made, um, strength, like that kind of strength we are not capable of producing in ourselves. Like we cannot will ourselves to, hold our families together really up against those kinds of circumstances. And so I'm thankful that God was present in that time for you, which of course he is, but it's like when you see, you know, somebody's, when I'm hearing you describe like what your response was and what you were thinking, I'm like, that just isn't something that the average woman would think when given that diagnosis or when, you know what I mean? And of course you cried. Like that doesn't mean, that no. you ha- you weren't still being prepared and, and right. enabled and empowered by God, but it's just amazing that um, yeah, it's it's really comforting to see God meet people in those circumstances Absolutely. to know like He really is who He says He is. Absolutely, that He yeah. doesn't leave us on our own. Um, so when you just talked about, you said you've had to learn how to grieve healthy. Mm-hmm. What does that mean, and how do you do that? And and Right. What is grieving unhealthy and grieving healthy? What does that look like? Well, so um, he was diagnosed in April. And by October, um, I was like, oh, we we really need to get some professional help in here. Chris and I both needed it for ourselves. And I knew the kids were going to need it. I, again, just wanted to use every resource I could to to keep us safe as much as I could. and so Chris and I started going to therapist, um, each separately and then together as well, because 
I mean, we were still a married couple. And yeah. so we would still fight or he, he grieved and went through it different than I did. Yeah. And we still had to figure out how to be their parents. And, yeah. um, so we started, and I think that's so important is to get, um, not only spiritual help, but psychiatric mm-hmm. help in these situations. And, yeah. um, I was tough and I did put on a good front and I, um, cried rarely with people and it was a a small group of people. Um, I think in these situations, because they're so shocking, I think it's easy because I do it myself. I think it's easy for us all to gawk and look. And it's almost like you're watching this trainer because it's unimaginable for us to put ourselves in that situation. So you want to see it play out. Um, I definitely felt like I was in a fishbowl. And so I put up a lot of walls and I, Mm -hmm. um, have been known since I was a little girl to be a Pollyanna, you know, and looking on the bright side of things. So, um, yes, I do feel, uh, the Holy Spirit gave me that Mm -hmm. supernatural strength and courage, but then it wasn't hard for me then to also put on a little bit more makeup to that and show even more of a, uh, a strong front. Um, Mm -hmm. so it was probably not until after he, um, after he passed that, you know, everybody, everybody shows up for those really big parts in that journey. And definitely when he dies and then it is the cream of the crop that stays week after week and month after month. Um, that's not just there to bring a meal or not just there to, to see you fall apart. Um, they're there to continue to, you know, walk while you're in the darkness. And, um, I was getting really good, probably about month four, month five, that I'm good. Everything's good. You know, people mm-hmm. would say, Jenny, how are you? How are you and the kids? We are great. Like Everything before is good. he died? Or no, after? this is after, after he okay. died. And I was really um, good at looking like we were doing good and we were doing great. And we were. I mean, we were doing well. Um, but then grief's kind of like a, a sniper and he attacks, you know, and we don't see it coming. And I had a really tough day and that led to another tough day and it ended up being, you know, a good tough week. And I felt so, so alone. Um, and I, you know, was talking it out with um, my therapist and praying it out with God and realized that, you know, if you're not authentic and if you don't say, you know what, today was a crummy day or I'm really sad. I saw this and it made me sad. People want to help, but you also have to let them in and you have to let them help you. And, um, they don't know when you have a sad day. Cause what, what seems like something that they would think was so sad, maybe not, it didn't affect you that day, but mm-hmm. something, um, like a, a song will play on a, a show and you're just like, yeah. Oh, that would have been something we would have talked about or, yeah. Um, so I had to, um, start to tell people when I was having bad days because it wasn't as obvious. We were six months out and it, we were doing in all intents and purposes well. So I had to definitely start to learn to show people and tell people when I was struggling. Yeah. And that's when I think you can authentically grieve. You can celebrate and you can, um, have those down days. Yeah. Did you appreciate people like, cause you said you felt like you were in a fishbowl. Mm-hmm. So what I'm curious about is from the outsider's perspective, like how do you know how to, um, what to, what's appropriate to ask how to support that sure. person 
what is the like what advice would you give to someone who's in a situation with a loved one who is Absolutely. going through something hard whether it's similar situation or the death of a parent or right. a child what i mean how do we go about that well without making them feel like hey we just want the latest news or right like you said like it sounds so terrible to say like you want to watch someone fall apart but I can understand how that would feel that way absolutely and I it's something I'm very passionate about and um because now I know better you know it's everybody wants to show up with a casserole but um it's a good possibility on the other side of that door after you drop it off nobody's eating in that house you know, I lived mm-hmm. off of um, jelly beans and Whoppers sometimes, you know. <laughs> so, um, and I have three picky eaters and a mm-hmm. husband who was doing chemo. So we didn't eat a lot mm-hmm. of meals. Um, so I think it's always, you know, people want you to ask. People um, want you to talk about that person that you might have lost or that yeah. might be um, dying. Um but really think of what their best needs are. A lot of times, I needed diapers. Um, so the, I, I think we talked about it earlier. It's like it's easy if you can put yourself just that human to human. Like, what would I need? You yeah. know, it might not be a lasagna. It might be diapers. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorites was uh, a dear friend loves Amazon. And mm-hmm. she would send giant boxes of paper goods Um, you know, every couple months because everybody needs toilet paper and a lot of Kleenex and paper plates. Um, so it's that practical, practical, real life. Right. And, and my biggest piece of advice is, um, don't ask, don't ask them what they need. What, what can I do Mm. for you? What do you need? I didn't even know how to put my shoes on most days. You're so entrenched in grief or I was so busy. Um, cause I, I'm a nurse, and I was a um, full-time cancer nurse, home health nurse to my husband, mm-hmm. and I was taking care of my three kids, and I was blessed to have my mother-in-law live with us for a year, but I'm a control freak, and I did both, and I wanted to do both, mm-hmm. and there's just, you know, I don't know what I need. Yeah, <laughs> and is that just like a, it's more probably frustrating because it points out to you that you're like, I don't know what I, it's just stuck Well, and me. you just, you're just like, oh, we're good. It, it's yeah. that easy way of saying, oh, I don't know, I'll let you know, and then yeah. you're kind of still struggling. You're not going to literally reach out and be like, well, actually, I'm out of toilet paper, and now I have to go to Target at 10 p.m., yes. and that's going to literally tip me over the edge of what I can deal with today. Exactly, because yeah. you're just like, Great. Yeah. I need toilet paper. I just used the last diaper. And yeah. um, I tell people too, it's just like if it's, um, I can only speak from losing a spouse. If you're a married person, it's easy to think, okay, well, my husband takes the trash out. Hers isn't there to take the trash out. Or my yeah. husband mows the yard. She doesn't have a husband. So everything that you feel like your spouse or your partner does for you, that's what that person is now yeah. either having to pick up or hire out to do right. that. So it's easy to say, you know what? My small group's going to come over and, and rake your yard and, yeah. um, you know, mow. Yeah. Or it's easy for you to say, hey, um, I'm going to the park. I'm going to pick up your kids, and I'm just going to take them with me. And you can cry. You can take a shower. You yeah. can watch, watch a soap <laughs> opera. But yeah. it's not, hey, let me know when I can take the kids. Or, hey, call right. me any time you... You know, yeah. which need a day feels, to yourself. No, you feels stay. like the only thing. It it doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I, it's really helpful for me that you're saying that because yeah. 
I think we're afraid to step into someone's world no. in the way that they probably really need Absolutely. us to. You just, I feel like the the best lifelines that I had were people who said, I'm going to do this. Mm. You need that. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Or, and just saw you where you were at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, even if we don't know, we know what we need in our day-to-day life. So mm-hmm. that's probably what they're going to need too. Mm-hmm. It's basic, basic being needs. thoughtful of it and, yeah. and thinking more proactively. Absolutely. High V cards, Walmart cards. Yeah. You know, I needed crustables. <laughs> you know, I needed peanut butter, a lot of peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's really helpful. Um, so would you say the same thing goes for you today? Cause you're, so how many years have, um, has it been? So I kind of, uh, will say four cause okay. I feel like I lost my husband, um, and our marriage the day that he was diagnosed. Mm. So that was, um, in April in 2014, he's been physically, um, not on this side of heaven since, um, three years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I still feel, um, those needs sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and every year has been different and I'm blessed to, um, have one of my closest friends also be a young widow Mm -hmm. because it's cool to, um, bounce things and stages that I'm at or my kids are at with her and Mm -hmm. just to have someone knows exactly Mm -hmm. how that feels. Um, so the, the needs are different and I feel, and I just kind of came to this, um, realization through a lot of prayer and meditation this year was tough for me. And I'm thinking, well, gosh, you know, this is the third year. This should be an easier year. And I realized, you know, Um, when I come to expect the days that I think are going to be hard or when I come to kind of, okay, grief, I've got you figured out. Um, that's when God changes it up a little bit, because if, if I knew what I was going to expect every, um, April anniversary, um, I wouldn't lean on God. I, I'm a control freak. I would figure out grief. I'd figure Mm -hmm. out the formula I needed to get through it without Mm -hmm. being hurt. And We'd Without go on, him. Yeah. yeah, and God's like, okay, no, this is how I'm going to show you, and and it has kept me humble, and it has kept me just clinging on to Him and clinging on to my faith, mm-hmm. and um, knowing that every year until I am with Him in heaven, I will yeah. constantly be um, clinging to Him to get through yeah. everything. Yeah. That's good. I I have never thought of it that way that, you know, whatever that thing is for us that we think we can kind of outsmart in our lives. Because we all probably have something where, you know, you figure out like, okay, if I just do this, then I'll be good. Yeah. And yeah. And God is gracious enough to keep us, like you said, on On our our toes. Yeah. On our knees and on our toes. (laughs) Right. Needing his help. And yeah, because we, we need his help either way. You know, even if we feel like we don't. So what role did, um, like friendship play for you, um, in, in this, like with your, like you've mentioned if some friends, like what role did friendship play in either the beforehand? Like, did you kind of, what did that look like? Did you go kind of like close the doors to friendship and outside right. the outside world in that year that that diagnosis was, I'm just curious, yeah. like what that looked like in yeah. terms of, and then afterwards, how did how did friendship come yeah. back come back into play or um i would it's it's been interesting to see how that's developed because i am a very social person and mm-hmm. so was um chris um but we really liked just being the 
the five of us, yeah. you know, um, he was so much more than just my husband. He really was my everything, my yeah. all in one. And, um, he was my best boyfriend. He was my best girlfriend. He was my best roommate. He was my best partner. He was my best, mm. you know, co-parent. And so, um, I just liked hanging out with him mm. and I liked raising our kids. I, I told them, you know, I am just so glad to have someone else on this planet that is as obsessed with my kids as I am yeah. because we thought everything they did was amazing and yeah. everything was hilarious. Yeah. And so, um, we liked to kind of work for the amount of income we needed to be to together. Be together yeah. yeah. We didn't do a lot of date nights, which I'm learning that that's much more important mm-hmm. and you do need to have that couple time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we... We had some good um, good friends for sure, but I mm-hmm. mean, we probably went out socially maybe three or four times a year. Otherwise, it was kind of us. Mm-hmm. And um, so during that year, um, I had my mother-in-law live with us and a lot of family time. Um, and there were obviously great friends that were coming in and supporting us, but I was pretty stingy with mm-hmm. sharing yeah. that time for sure. Yeah. Um, and the, um, you know, our best friends were just waiting in the wings and it's just awesome to see how God has, um, kept them in the loop and kept all of us in the fold together. Um, Chris even, um, you know, reached out to some of our dearest friends and was like, Hey, Jenny is not going to remember this A to Z, whatever it was. And a lot of it was finance stuff or password stuff. And, um, so I'm just sending you this information because she's going to mm-hmm. have a night where she's by herself and she can't remember how to get into the bank account. And so here's that number. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I needed it one day, you know. And so he knew which people he could That's trust. So cool. um, he he was like, okay, my my good buddy, my roommate all through college, you know, he's the tech guy. When you have phone questions, you reach out to him. Right. Let him help you with those mm-hmm. contracts. Um, you know, and he just knew, um, my dearest friend who I really, she thinks I'm her little sister and I think she's my big sister. Um, you know, he knew that she was not going to ever leave my side. And I mean, we joke all the time. I mean, she is my ride or die chick. I mean, she Mm -hmm. has been there through, um, from birth to death with our family, you know, and she even through an adoption. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. she's, She's been my girl, and and Chris was confident in that relationship, and then that would hold true. And since then, in that year after, there were a lot of holes left because I lost my husband, but I lost I lost my best boyfriend, I lost my best girlfriend. Um, so you know, people were just there to fill in those spots. Mm-hmm. And the coolest thing is, is not only did I have um, my sweet mama friends, but I had their husbands as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Sydney, uh, my oldest was on a volleyball team and the volleyball dads loved on Cole. You know, it wasn't even, um, I don't even think it had been two weeks and I had to go to one of her games and I was a zombie of a person mm-hmm. and these dads stepped in and took my little guy who was only two and would throw him up and around. And to this day, you know, as soon as he sees those men, you know, yeah. we, we always kind of just call them Cole's men because mm-hmm. he will seek those guys out and still, you know, they're throwing him up on their shoulders. And so, um, God has just given me an amazing support group. And, um, 
they are rock solid and I'm yeah. just blessed for each one of them. That's so cool. I love that. I love hearing that. Um, what with your kids, like what, what has it been like for them? And you don't have to share details cause I know oh, it's, no. it's their, I am an open it's book. their story too. <clears throat> so I don't, Absolutely. yeah, it's up to you, but um, like how has that, how has that been for them? So your oldest was, she was, 10 uh, she would have been nine, I believe when okay. he was diagnosed in 10 when he passed away okay. and a girl yeah. and she's daddy's girl for yeah. sure. And her personality is the most like his. Um, and you know, as a mom, just with two, you can see each personality is so individual and you yeah. can see bits and pieces blended of your husband in each, oh, yeah. each kiddo. Yeah. Um, she also though is like me and, um, a bit of a Pollyanna and she's tough. <laughs> um, but she's strong and, but for her, I feel like it's very hard for her to, to show her hurts and for her to show her emotions. You know, she's uh, constantly looking on the bright side. Um, but it was hard for her to lose, lose her daddy for sure. And all that's come with that. Um, she would go to therapy and I kind of made them do that through the year after as well. Um, but I could tell that if anything, she just wanted to be like all her friends and she, um, knew that her core group as well knew her story, but she doesn't share it that often. Um, it was hard for me when she went to middle school because her school and her staff that was around her didn't know her story anymore. And I want everybody to know because I, just in case, you know, I feel like if you tell everybody, then they can be an extra support group to mm-hmm. you. Um, she keeps it much more private and kind of almost seems like it's not pertinent information to share. Right. So there's a lot of her new friends from middle school that don't know mm-hmm. right away. And I just think that's interesting. And I'm learning to appreciate how she wants to deal with it. Yeah. Um, my middle guy is 10 right now and 10 year old boys need their daddy for sure. And this has been a tough year for us. Mm -hmm. Um, he is so just an old soul. I mean, he's always been very in tune with the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, just so strong in his faith and, um, just his prayer and, uh, he knows where we're all going. And I mean, he was in kindergarten, um, the night that we told um, the two older ones that daddy had cancer. And, of course, they um, both asked if he was going to die. And I'm bawling and they're bawling. And Chris is doing his best to not bawl. Um, but, it, I mean, anybody can imagine what that conversation looks like. Yeah. And my five-year-old just cries out and he goes, Why? Why did Adam and Eve have to sin and bring death into this world? And I was Floored. Floored. How does a five-year-old get that? I didn't even get that. My pastor had only just told Chris and I that a week before. So I just, I was just floored. And he has continued to be my, my rock. And, um, so faithful, you know? Such a deep understanding. I know. crazy. Way beyond what I could ever grasp. Right. Um. Even as a, as a 30-something, it's like. What? (laughs) And he, he's just been that way the whole time. Um, he used to, uh, he still does. He loves to pull up, um, Christian music on the i iPad and share it with me, you know, and he'd be like, mom, this is our song or this song reminds me of daddy or, um, so just really cool. Um, and I am trying to be the 
mama he needs me to be and I'm trying to be the daddy he needs me to be as well. Yeah. So it's been fun though. I'm I uh, actually on Monday I'm going to go be the watchdog dad at his school because <laughs> Chris never got to. So What does that mean? Um it is when you go to public schools a lot of times they have like the dads volunteer in a certain uh-huh. role uh-huh. and so um they get to like be the soccer or I mean sorry the crossing guard or yeah. help with recess and stuff but it's a uh, kind of filled by dads whereas moms you know volunteer yeah. in other ways so he he's mentioned a lot of times that he you know is sad that daddy could never do that so I'm like well I'll sign up for that <laughs> I'll do it too yeah. <laughs> so um and then my little guy this thing that I think broke my heart the most is that um yeah, it's kind of been reported that you don't start physically making memories until three. And that was a big um, uh, milestone that Chris wanted to make. You know, he he kept wanting, you know, I just want to make it to his third birthday. I just want to make it to his third birthday. And he didn't get there. And um, it, again, just shows me where um, God has a master plan for everything because the first two uh, kids were definitely mama's babies. You yeah. know, they wanted me. They wanted me to feed them. You know, everything was mama. And he, right. um, Chris would say, you know, they just tolerate me enough to keep them alive while you have to go to work. Right. That's it. <laughs> Cole, on the other hand, um, was was daddy's baby. He was. And um, I remember I would go off and work, you know, 24 hours over the weekend. And I'd come home and I'd try to, to nurse Cole. And he'd be fussing and... And Chris would say, you know, no, he likes it when you do this. He likes this or he likes that. And I one time just remember being so resentful, thinking, you know, you don't know what my baby wants. Like, I'm the mama, you know. And, yeah. and it was. I mean, he got to spend the most time with Cole. Mm-hmm. He got to bond in a much more intimate way with Cole. And I know now that God knew that time would be brief for them. And yeah. so he made it as rich as he possibly could. Cool. And... um Cole wasn't even really speaking even before Chris passed away. Um, he was delayed on his speech. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it all kind of started when he was 15 months and he really went into himself. And so, um, trying to also deal with his speech delays throughout our cancer battle was tough. But, um, Chris said, uh, one of his, biggest regrets and all everything and he was just like you know someday I'm just going to be a man in a picture to Cole he's not going to have any memories of me and that that broke my heart and um Cole he um you know is just now six and he's just now really finding his words and able to talk about his feelings and um I worry. I worry for him that what is his grief going to look like? You know, he hasn't really had any yet because he hasn't known any better. But he's starting at six almost um, to kind of realize he doesn't have what everybody else has right now. Yeah. And that's that's sad. And um, we have these little recordings in um, Build-A-Bears that they just love. That that Daddy made for each of the kids that just tells them that that he loves them Mm -hmm. and... um, so uh, we've had some breakdowns of those recordings, and we've been trying to to get them up and running again. Uh-huh. And and Cole um, was playing his the other day, and uh, he said, "I just wish we could have made a, a recording in a bear for Daddy to take to heaven with him." Mm. And I I tried to tell him I was like, you know what? 
Daddy doesn't need that bear because every time we think of him, he hears in heaven that we love him. And every time that we say we love him or every time we talk about a memory about him, that every time that's, that's that recording that's playing for daddy in heaven. So it's, it's been tough to start to see him, um, to miss those, miss those things that he's starting to kind of realize he's, he's, you know, without that. Oh, that is hard. I'm just going to sit over here and cry, obviously, the whole time. Um, okay, can you talk a little bit, you, you mentioned before we started recording about, um, what was the story you told me something about a certain someone, oh, Steve, yeah. so, so talk about, because I'm not going to be able to stop crying, oh, <laughs> so let's, this is good. let's transition, uh, um, what... What does that look like for you? Ugh. I mean, you are you're dating someone. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I actually just saw a video of a another widow. I just, you know, love social media because it does give you all these perspectives. Yeah. But um and she said, and I'm not quoting it exactly, but she said something like, What a better tribute to a love you have for someone, meaning like your spouse that's passed away. Um, what better tribute to that love than saying, I want to do that again. And um, Chris and I, nobody has a perfect marriage, you know, but we had good love. He, he was a great, great guy. And um, I miss him terribly. And that it's not that I can ever replace him. You know, if you lose a child, you can't have another child and have that hurt go away. And I have never once, um, felt like my marriage ended so um you know for of course for a long time I um wore my wedding ring still because I was very much still his wife I I felt um being dishonest and definitely disloyal if I took that ring off so I didn't know how that was going to look or feel and I remember talking to um my therapist and the kids therapist thinking well who's ever going to date me because I'm never going to take my wedding ring off and no and both the very wise therapists were like, okay, Jenny, not today, but someday. And I just remember thinking, there's no way. Yeah. And I, um, in my kind of narrow-mindedness thought, well, I am only going to date widows because that's the only person who's going to understand. Um, I didn't fall out of love with my husband. He didn't fall out of love right. with me. This was taken from me. This wasn't yeah. our choice. Um, not that I think by any means divorce is easy for the people that are going through sure. that. But it's a it's completely different yeah. from what I have. So how could I relate or how could they right. relate? And again, these wise therapists said, you know, okay, that's how you felt today, but your thoughts might change. Um, because, you know what, there's just as few uh, 40-year-old men widows as there are 40-year-old women widows. So yeah. they're, they're not all out there. It just didn't seem natural, and I couldn't even think about it. Um, and then... Kind of as they predicted, slowly, that just seemed more and more right. And it was a slow process, yeah. for sure. Um, but more I just a possibility. Rem- yeah, that it was a possibility. And I guess I was curious. And um, I was definitely lonely. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely, I think before I actually took that leap of faith, I was nervous and scared. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I wasn't 23 anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, um, 
had three babies and my husband and their daddy loved the woman and the body that I had become after those three mm-hmm. babies because he helped, you know, kind of mm-hmm. get my body there. Yeah. So I was like, this is never going to work. You know, yeah. a lot of insecurities and a lot of just, it just seemed so foreign. I wasn't the same person I was yeah. when I was 23 and met him. Um, so I think after I kind of just took a leap of faith, really just ripped the band-aid off, I kind of started to see what was out there. And again, my dear widow friend was kind of in the same spot. Mm-hmm. So we are like, um, two high school girls and, yeah. um, we talk about, oh my gosh, this, or he yeah. texted that or, yeah. um, so Again, a godsend because yeah. I, I mean, it just is Someone not to understand normal. that yeah. and, and be able to be with you in that. Absolutely. And nobody, um, nobody in my friend group is even divorced. So mm-hmm. the idea of dating is just as foreign to them as it is to me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have anybody to share that with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not a 75 year old widow and I, mm-hmm do have so much more life to live and I don't want to be alone and I don't even want that for my kids. So I kind of slowly but surely kind of started putting myself out there Mm -hmm. and um, my kids did really well with it. Mm -hmm. One um, thing that I was blessed with and the kids were blessed with is that Chris made, um, you know, four individual recordings for us Mm -hmm. and gave us messages, um, you know, a whole tape just for each of us and said, you know, I want you to remarry, you know, Chris and I luckily, um, because we had 11 months to get everything in order. He, he and I had those tough talks. Um, and he was able to record those messages for the kids that I want mommy to be with someone and to be loved by someone. And it doesn't take away from what we had and what we continue to have. I mean, we are married forever, you know, and, um, it's just, uh, it's natural to want to be with somebody. That's God's plan. He doesn't want us to be alone. Um, so I've been blessed that my kids have been very supportive of it. Um, and I've been blessed by, um, a really great guy who, um, is divorced with two kids and, um, you know what things happen in our lives that we don't expect. And it's a loss just like my loss. He thought he had his life, um, planned out and mapped out just as much as I did. And, and now what does it look like? What's your future look like? So, um, still definitely having to overcome even a year, um, plus later overcome saying, uh, girlfriend and boyfriend that just kind of seems weird to me still. And, um, my 13 year old just thinks it's hilarious (laughs) because, um, I have this hang up about saying boyfriend. I yeah. mean, he absolutely fits that role. Um, what was the, you, oh, you mentioned yes. the story before we started recording. That yes. was so funny. So, um, I was doing the mom introductions with a new mom. Uh-huh. Uh, a friend of Sydney's was coming over and we were, you know, girl small talking, uh, in my, um, uh, doorway and it had gone on quite a long time. And Steve was over that night and we were, um, you know, just watching movies and, having some wine and, uh, the, the mom had peeked around the corner and after talking with me for probably 10 minutes and she peeks her head around the corner and she's like, Oh, and is this your husband? And I just froze. And I was like, uh, uh, no, I'm a widow. You know, like I felt like I had to just rush through my whole, like last two years (laughs) with her in a 15 second clip and said, Oh no, 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 I'm a widow. 
um, this is my Steve, you know, <laughs> and I just bless his heart. He's so humble and he's so kind and yeah. he just came over and shook her hand oh. and, you know, patted me on the head. No, <laughs> but I mean, he just handled it great. And yeah. I just felt so foolish after that. Cause I don't want to diminish who he is to me yeah. and who he is to my kids. Um, yeah. he, he's just a great, a great guy and faithful mm-hmm. to God. And, um, you know, I was able to later kind of say, you know, that I didn't handle that very well. And, yeah. um, thank you for, you know, yeah. Let me have that. I don't little know what, what does it even look like to handle that well. I, I mean, know. like, what, there's not a playbook here. I'm, and I am one of those people who clearly I just can't stop talking. And <laughs> so I feel like I need to get everybody up to speed yes, so I that we can just go on. Yeah. So this mom was probably like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, whoa, you just unleashed a lot on me. Yeah. Um. So I'm trying to, this is new for me, but I'm trying to take a step back and almost take a, a page out of Sydney's playbook and I don't have to tell everybody my story and yeah. I don't want to as much anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, um, my, my friend Sarah, the widow, um, as well, this year's different in, in our journey because this year we're, we're not just saying, Hey, Oh, here I am. This is my first name. This is my last name and I'm a widow and yeah. I'm going to now this is, it's less of who we are now yeah. We're we're really coming into, um, who we are right. in these new it's roles. It's something that has happened to you, but it doesn't define it's who you are. It's not defining us as much yeah. this year. And I think that's, again, an awesome progression of God. So Yeah. Um, I'm curious if there was ever a, a time where you were angry at God. Or, right. or was it like sadness? I don't know if, yeah. what the feelings were. Um, did you ever like blame him for like taking taking my husband from me, that sort of a thing. Like, I, um, like, how did you, or, I mean, from, from what you talked about earlier, it sort of sounded like you just went right into like war mode. Like you were going to do battle against the devil and everything that would try and rip your family apart. So maybe you skip that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I've definitely read enough books and been through enough therapy Mm -hmm. that kind of lay out that, um, I don't know, that kind of steps of grieving. Mm-hmm. Uh, def- I don't, I know I can say with certainty um, the year of battling cancer with him, I wasn't angry. Um, if anything, I um, just poured myself into war mode, like you said, and I ran like crazy. I was a runner, and I, I mean, some days I ran twice, and I think it, oh. that might have been that anger. That was my only release. That was yeah. the only um, 40 minutes of the day where I could blast my music and not think. Yeah. Um, so I think if anything, those were my rageful times, but it was never at God. It was really at cancer and life. And, um, I've always told my kids, you know, when they say this isn't fair, we're losing daddy. It's not fair. Mm -hmm. I don't want to stay there. Like, Um, life's not fair. God always is. And I just, that's always been my mantra. So not angry at God, um, life at times for sure. And I would say this year again has been different for me and I've been a lot more bitter and resentful. Mm -hmm. It's been harder sometimes to, um, be around people that I feel like are taking life for granted Mm -hmm. or, um, I guess people that I feel are self-absorbed and self 
involved. Mm -hmm. You know, grief has a way, um, and great loss has a way of opening your eyes. And I, I, I guess the anger I feel now is I just want to shake people and say, stop being like that. Or look at what you have. Yeah. Look outside of yourself, you know, put yourself in that person's shoes. That's Mm -hmm. the anger. But again, all those things are, my anger is angry at life and life choices. I, I, don't feel or I can't recall a time ever being angry at God. Yeah. Um, when I get angry, I just, you know, know that he's right there with me. And, I, yeah. and I've told my kids several times, um, and they've never shared with me that they've been angry, but I've told them that it's okay and that um, just like they get mad at mommy or daddy, um, God's big enough to handle that. He yeah. is our father. Mm-hmm. Um, he's our heavenly father, and there is... Nothing we can throw at him that's going to change his love for us. Um, We can be angry as long as we want, and we can pout as long as we want. He's still right there, ready to love us and ready to walk with us. So, yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, that's. I think it's awesome that you guys have been in therapy. It makes me want to go. Yeah, everybody should. Everybody needs to go. It's enlightening. I'm telling you. I'm going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) No, a friend and I were joking that she said, um, like, she asked for. therapy for christmas and yes. didn't get it and she was so sad it, it <laughs> is we just need to make it part of our priorities really because really what, all, think of all the things that i spend money on that you know new clothes or this or that but yeah. it's like i have a month, monthly clothing budget and not a monthly budget to deal with Mental my own health. <laughs> emotions and yes. you know baggage and processing life yeah. and just just normal life is Absolutely. a lot to process so yeah yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I, I have said that now like two, two different times on interviews and I still, I, I have a contact though, someone yeah. to reach out to. So I need to actually email her and say, can I come meet with you? Yeah, right. So, um, okay. And the last thing I want to ask you about is your work. And yeah. I mean, this podcast is about work in motherhood yeah. and I love that we <clears throat> spent this whole time talking about just your life and your story, but what, um, mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned you're a nurse, mm-hmm. and you obviously are a solo working mom, yeah. and you work. What's that like? How many hours do you work, yeah. and what's that? Um, that's been like? a definitely an evolution as well. Um, I can't think of um, pretty much my whole life I've wanted to be a wife, mom, and nurse. Mm-hmm. So um, I knew right away what I wanted to do. I went right to college, and then I zoomed out as fast mm-hmm. as I could and um, got to work. Um, and I learned, um, pretty quickly in nursing school that my passion was, um, the NICU, the neonatal ICU, um, these tiny little premature babies mm-hmm. that, um, can't survive on their own outside yeah. of their mother's womb. Um, they have incredible spirit and incredible fight. Um, a lot of them, uh, some of the sickest ones are in the hospital for four to six months. Wow. And the fight that they have to be here is amazing and incredible. And their family and their parents' fight mm-hmm. is amazing. And I, it's a passion of mine for sure. Wow. Um, so, yeah, in nursing, I, I try to tell young nurses that are going to school, you know, it's the best career for women. We can use it in every season of our life. You know, you can easily find a job that, that works with your schedule or your yeah. time or your children or whatever season you're in. Um so I worked most of the year that Chris was sick. I worked on the weekends, um, and I still have the planner um, 
of the year that he was sick and I look back at it still to remind myself like whenever I think this time is hard by myself juggling it all I look at the planner of chemo and radiation and you know trips to Texas and working on the weekends and I look and I'm just like I laugh because I don't know how I did all that that year but I did um with a lot of help but um I you know love I loved being a NICU nurse. It it really was something I enjoyed doing. Left the NICU um, in, oh gosh, the beginning um, of the year in 2016. So it was about six months after my husband died and we were heading into the the end of year uh, holidays. And I've always worked holidays. Mm -hmm. Didn't think anything of it. Um, My daughter made it real clear that... um, she wasn't accepting the fact that she wasn't going to have a daddy or a mommy on Thanksgiving Day while I worked. And mm-hmm. um, the pain that she expressed and the fact that she wouldn't have at least one parent mm-hmm. on every holiday was too much for me to bear. Mm-hmm. You know, they really haven't asked that much mm-hmm. of me. And so um, it was a pretty easy choice mm-hmm. to give up kind of my dream of being um just staying a NICU nurse. So I went back to a pediatrician's office and, um, I, they just, uh, it's a great office. Actually, it's the very first nursing job I ever had when I was 21 years old. It was the very first job I ever had. And so, um, they just welcomed me back and it was like going home. It was going back to a family. And I, I love what I do. I love dealing with kids. I love dealing with parents. Um, it's, it's a very rewarding job. Um, but I I think it's not, again, it's been this last year where I'm just thinking, you know, it was one more piece of my identity I lost when I lost Chris Mm -hmm. and I've gained so many new facets Mm -hmm. to my personality, but there's grief in, you know, the career I used Mm -hmm. to have versus now I don't, um, you know, you're kind of, uh, the top dog when you're, Mm -hmm. um, in that, uh, league of nurses and I enjoyed that and not that my job isn't important now I just don't find yeah. the same prestige in it yeah. but um, again it's your season in life and yeah. so I um, work the amount I need for my budget and yeah. I try really hard to be there and be present for my kids um, and I keep them involved in that decision process. I think it's important as parents. I think it's easy for us to think, well, I'm the adult, and you go along with what I think. Mm-hmm. And um, that changed for me when when I lost Chris. And I, like I said, Sydney kind of put her foot down and said, no, I don't want you to work on holidays anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I stopped. Yeah. And not that I feel like they can call the shots in my life, because there's definite places where I have the boundary. Sure. But... I, when I have made choices in my schedule and um, working more or working less or working more evenings versus more yeah. day shifts, I take their opinion into account. Yeah. And I say, what do you want this to look like? Do you, you know, um, one of the times uh, that came up, you know, in one of the last years was um, I think I had cut back some hours. And I said, well, hey, guys, how do you like Mommy's new schedule? You know, I'm working 20 hours now instead of 30 and Sydney goes, well, I don't. And I'm thinking, well, goodness, I'm working less. Isn't that what you want? And she's like, yeah, but before you had set days, I knew you were working Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. And now you're just all over the week and I never know 
what day is what? And so I'm like, okay, point taken. So then I went back and luckily I've just been blessed with a great um, job that has been flexible with my needs as they've so changed great. over the last couple of years that, okay, so no weekends or no holidays and I need to um, consistency. have consistency for yeah. them. So really um, they're a huge player in this team and our team is the family and um, it's just important. I mean, they've got a lot to say and they've got a lot to provide insight mm-hmm. to that I think we don't give them credit for. And, um, yeah. and they know us better than anybody absolutely. else. They see us at our worst and yes. still love us. Yeah. And it's been even recently that I was able to share with um, the two older ones, you know, that I do miss what I used to do. Mm-hmm. And um, Sydney was like, well, why did you stop? You right. know, You're and like, I'm just like, you. <laughs> are you kidding me right now? And, yeah. and she's yeah. like, well, yeah. it's different, you know, and it isn't the same raw grief as it was the very yeah. first set of holidays. Yeah. And so, you know, they're getting older and they're yeah. changing. And um, I think I could safely say, I think they do respect me mm-hmm. for how hard I work, you know, um, they, and I, you know, one of the biggest compliments I, I have gotten from people and from my kids was, Wow you really work hard, you know, or, um, my husband was out of town last week and I had to do it all by myself and you do this every week, Yeah, you know, or Carter will say as I'm, you know, cleaning up dishes for the 15th time that day, I feel sorry for you, mom, because you don't have someone here to help you. You don't have a daddy to help you with us. And those, those are those little whispers from God that say, here's your, yeah, here's your affirmation because it is a thankless job to be a mama. It yeah. is a thankless job to, you know, devote everything to these kids. And we need to come alongside another mama and say, you know what? This is tough. Yeah. I see you. You're doing a great job or you're awesome today. Yeah. Your outfit is on point, <laughs> you know, like right. good job for working out at 630 this morning, right. you know? Yeah. Gosh, we need to do that for each other because yeah. it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's it, hard to do by ourselves. That's a good reminder. It is. And you can just kind of like push through and run through life and not see other people yeah. in doing the same. You know, we're all so much more alike than we are yeah, different absolutely. in that. Where everybody is just trying to get the house cleaned up and yeah. stay afloat and make it to nap time some days. Yeah. And other days, you know, you're like, Oh, I love being with my kids, but absolutely, yeah, we all need that um, encouragement and community. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for sharing yeah. your story. I'm just really grateful to have met you and to be able to see God's, um, I don't know, love and, and care for us through you and through awesome. your story and your like, yeah, just your willingness to fight and ability through the Holy Spirit to continue on in your life and to continue raising kids and um, and just being a godly woman. Like, it's it's truly a huge inspiration to me. And I'm yeah. grateful to, yeah, have your example and, and see how you're living that out in yeah. your life, you know, with your kids and your new relationship. Yeah. And it's really awesome. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you asked me. Yeah, so fun. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. And thank you also to those of you who have left ratings and reviews on iTunes. They really do mean the world to me. 
Every time I see a new one, I do a small jig in my kitchen, so you can just picture that if you are wondering whether or not you should leave one. You definitely should, and I will dance. And next week on Kindled, we'll be talking to Sarah Wallace, the author of For the Love of Discipline, When the Gospel Meets Tantrums and Timeouts. We're talking a lot about parenting and discipline in that episode. So until then, have a great week.